Welcome to another episode of the Ryan Annoys People podcast. I am joined by my friend Katie in Mississippi. Katie, welcome to the podcast. Hi, this is my first time being on a yes, podcast. Yes, like, yeah, the, um, the first, like, yeah, this is, it's eventful. You know, I would say, you know, I always try to explain to people, look, a podcast is no different than a conversation. You know, um, when I started this podcast, I was mainly doing it because I had a free Zoom Pro account from Tulane University. And on top of that, I had gotten so annoyed with my neighbors. I got so annoyed with my neighbors. I'm like, I need, I can't, I can't deal with it. So uh, I started the original idea. It started in October, of, uh, two years ago in October before the election. And then I reworked it and turned it into Ryan and Noah's people starting uh, the new season started in January. So that being said, uh, Katie, Southern Miss baseball, Southern Miss defeated my LSU Tigers um, in the regionals, in the Hattiesburg regionals. Uh, and I wasn't really disappointed at all because I'm an LSU fan. I know we never win uh, a regional outside of Baton Rouge. I mean, we did win one last year against Oregon. We went to the Super Regionals against Tennessee. But I really wasn't surprised about us losing to Southern Miss. I mean, to, for us to be in that situation, um, for us to be in that situation, with the kind of season we had, with the la how things have been the last two years with with with, with LSU baseball, um, I would take losing a, a regional. I would take losing a regional on the on the road as opposed to losing a regional uh, in Baton Rouge. Uh, what 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 did you get take away from uh, the win over us in uh, in Hattiesburg? I think outside of like the non-super negative Southern Miss fans pretty much like no one thought that Southern would win um but like the Southern Miss fans who aren't you know negative about everything I mean we had some confidence like we have some of the best pitching in all of college baseball and as someone who you know, used to watch LSU baseball and kept up with it. I kind of noticed in the last few years that y'all haven't been playing at the normal, like, standard that you have for a while. Um, so I had some faith that we could do it. Um, I, for the last few years, especially when I was up in Hattiesburg, it felt like we would get closer and closer and closer every year, and we could just never seem to, like, break over and get to a super regional and I was like it's gotta happen it's finally gonna happen and it would be really awesome if it was against a team like LSU. which which it did I mean because when you I, I think when you put when you beat a team like LSU it's 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 rewarding because LSU has so much history uh they have so much history and, and stuff and 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 it's 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 kind of like the equivalent of what you saw, and I'm, I'm not sure if you you're probably too young, oh, you're not too young to remember this. It's like when Tulane beat LSU. Tulane beat us to get to Omaha in 2001, and people who 
were around during that time, they will tell you that those few days, uh, I think they played in Metairie. They didn't, they, they hosted in Metairie. They didn't host in, um, they didn't host in, um, in, 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 up, in, uh, up at New, up at, uh, at, at Uptown, that is. They didn't host up, uh, they didn't uh, host Uptown at all. Uh, what they did was they went to Metairie and played in Metairie and they ended up winning, you know, they ended up winning, you know, going to the, uh, going to, um, to the uh, to the super re to a super regional, and then they end up going to the uh, the college. They end up going to the college world series, and that was the most fun. That uh, that was the most fun. Uh, that was probably the, like the best moment in Tulane history, in Tulane baseball history, because they beat their biggest rival to get to. They beat their biggest rival to get to Omaha, and that that's rewarding. Yeah, definitely. I mean, this is like, like, obviously the Super Regional this weekend is even more of a rivalry. And I don't even want to say that Southern Miss and LSU have one, but like, in my experience, like even, even in football, I went to a football game in Baton Rouge where, L where Southern Miss was playing. And for whatever reason, we just seemed to irk LSU fans. So I don't know what it is about Southern Miss. I don't know if there's a threat of some, you know, of a little, little school like Southern Miss winning, like any potential of that, um, that, you know, makes LSU fans a little angrier. Um, but I know I noticed it a lot this past weekend. Um, but like someone said, we pretty much beat the Yankees of college baseball and we did it on a budget that's not even like the fraction of what LSU's was for baseball we you know they complained about the size of our park and how it only fits so many people and blah 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 but like at the end of the day you know even with bigger schools especially in the SEC you have fans and then you have like your diehard fans, but with a school like Southern Miss, pretty much everyone is a diehard fan. You're not like a casual fan of Southern Miss. Those don't exist. So it's just special for everyone involved. Um, mm -hmm. So it's a pretty cool moment, especially since we haven't been to a super regional since 2009. Um, and that's the only other time we've been to one. So I'm excited. I, I think so. I think, you know, I think that does make a lot of sense. I think when you refer to LSU as the, you know, the Yankees of college baseball, which I think, I think down here in the South, I think you could say that. I think with this down here in the South, uh, because my introduction to LSU was mainly was due to baseball, because when, when I was seven, eight, nine, 10, 11 years old, the games were always, they will always have a college world series on ESPN. And then the championship will be on CBS and it will be in the daytime. And I remember where I was when Warren Morris hit the home run. 
and um and you know people of a generation people know of Alex Cora as the manager of the Red Sox I know of him as the guy that cried on second base he is face down in tears uh he is face down in tears when uh when when uh they panned the camera over to him he was in tears and he was crying when Warren Morris hit the home run. And when Warren Morris, when the home run that Warren Morris went over the wall, it stayed maybe four or five feet, uh, five feet fair to the right. To the right, I didn't even think that ball was going to go get up out of there. I just thought, okay, that's going to, you know, as a kid, I didn't really think of it as, oh yeah, this is what it's going to be. Uh, it's going to be a home run. I'm just thinking it's a clean hit a line drive down the line uh, in right, and bam, it's going to be a double or at least a triple. I'm not thinking he's going to hit a home run. But I think also um, with Southern Miss, I have familiarity with Southern Miss because I grew up in Memphis, and Southern Miss was – they were always in, in, in Memphis Southern Miss and in, in, uh, in Memphis, th- that was the big foot. That was a big rivalry on the football field. On the football field, and basketball, Southern Miss could never beat Memphis. They never could beat Memphis. Um, one story I like to tell is a guy named Charles Carmuch. They had a chance to beat Southern to, to beat Memphis uh, about eleven years ago. They were up about fifth, about fifteen or sixteen points. Charles Carmouch hits a three-pointer and it breaks the heart. It breaks the hearts of the Southern Miss fans. So I would say you guys beating us is just like Southern Miss beating Memphis in basketball, which rarely, if any, happens. I think they've only, I think in my lifetime, I think Southern Miss has beaten Memphis maybe three or four times in basketball. I mean, do, do they still have a basketball program at Southern Miss? We do. Um they do? Yeah. Uh, as far as how good it is, couldn't tell you. Oh, I used to. Uh, I worked the games when I was up there, but that was a few years ago, so I have no idea if they're any good or not. They part. Uh, for the record, they are. They they're really bad. Oh, they're really bad. Yeah. I mean, I like like one thing. Uh, my guy Dunnell Mack, he played at Memphis. He told me that Reed Green was a shithole. It was a dump of a of a building. Yeah. <laughs> he he told me he was like I, he said I think they only got like two bathrooms in the whole building. That's what he told me. Eh, there's more than that. It's just you know not the nicest looking arena. It's a pit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, really I remember, a hole in the ground. I remember as a kid, you know, I just remember the roof, and it just looked just like a high school gym like on tv they would never show the crowd they would just show the floor and it just looked just like a high school gym it looks just like a high school gym and i and i remember saying i've seen high school gyms look nicer than this i mean outside of when at some point we were good at football which is what happened very often lately. We're, no one knows it hasn't. I mean, 
the really terrible losing streak ended my freshman year of college where they'd only won like one game in four years. We did pretty, we went to the CUSA championship that year. So that was fun. Since then, it hasn't gone too great. Um, I don't even know who the football coach is anymore. Not really interested. I mean, we are, as of late, we're a baseball school. That's what we're good at. And we're really good at it. And I mean, we haven't had someone from Southern Miss be like recognizable in the MLB since Brian Dozier. And now we have Nick Sandlin pitching. Um, And there's a kid in the minor leagues who I'm assuming is going to be very good. Um, I hope he is. He was good at Southern. He was drafted out of high school, decided to go to college and then got drafted and he played well for us. So I'm hoping his MLB career goes well. He was drafted higher than Brian Dozier was. So we'll see how that goes. Um, And I'm hoping some guys from this team will uh, make it to the MLB and have good careers too, because there's some good players, especially our pitchers. Um, They have insane numbers this year. Yeah, I th- yeah, I think. I mean, they got some really good players. I mean, I know when I was growing up, they had a guy named Pat Rapp who played for the Marlins, uh, and that was like maybe um, I won't say that was like in the like the early like the mid nineties, and uh, I remember you know I didn't even I thought for a long time I always thought Brian Dozier went to fucking Mississippi State I was like wait I didn't even know he went to uh Southern Miss I remember I knew he went to a school in Mississippi I just didn't know which school it was but uh I do know I remember Pat Rapp and there was a guy named uh Kevin Young who played for the Pirates he was like the first he was like the first baseman and he played for the Pirates um for the Pirates and um, that was about it. But you know, but also I think looking at it now, looking at it now, with the success that with the success that Southern Miss have, you now know guys like Brian Dozier. And then, as you said, there's going to be more people coming into the fold uh, that are going to be proudly repping repping the uh the, the golden eagles uh one thing i want to ask is like i know you don't remember i know you weren't there during the corky palmer years but i know corky palmer has had some health problems you know how does that you know him being around the seat is how, how much of that um what's the what's the question i'm trying to ask how important is it for corky palmer to still be around in his right mind to see this team be two wins away from Omaha. Um, you know, uh, Scott Barry was talking about how it was really unfortunate, you know, that he couldn't be at any of the games uh, this weekend. But just to be able to see that, just to know that even though he is having some health issues, um, that this team finally, after so long of getting so close, um, is making a run for it. It's it's really special. You you always like to see um, the people who put in hard work um, finally get to see something that they put their heart and soul into. 
um, be successful. So. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Uh, I think, you know, they're doing like, a, they did like a GoFundMe where they raised like $28,000 for his, uh, for his care. And it's just something that you, you know, I think, and I think you see this a lot with like legendary coaches and stuff like you see with Bobby Cox, like Bobby Cox, uh, who managed the Braves has had health problems as of late. Um, you, you know, um, there's a lot of like legendary coaches that have transitioned to be with the ancestors over the last few years. And, you know, it kind of shows you your own mortality. And then on top of that, it also shows that these coaches that we thought that these players, that these people that we saw on TV that were superheroes, they also are just human beings, just like all of us, just normal human beings with extra money in their bank account. Yeah, I mean, and that's one thing about like, I think kind of Southern Miss in general, with it being such a, it's not a small school by any means, it's just not state or Ole Miss. And I think with the size of the size that it is, and even where it is too, there's just a really big sense of like community. Um, and people are always willing to like gather around and help um, others, whether it be people in the Hattiesburg area in general, people who, you know, coach at Southern, worked at Southern or went there. Um, there's just a stronger sense of community because you don't have, you're not as big as an SEC school, um, but you're not, you have enough, there's enough about you that people know, when you say Southern Miss, people know who you're talking about, even if it's just because they know who Brett Favre is. I, I think that's the, Uh, I think that um, I think that's the thing. I think with me as a kid, I knew of Southern Miss because of the University of Memphis, and it was also because of Brett Favre. And um, they used to have like there was a, a Clarence Weatherspoon. Clarence Weatherspoon uh, played basketball at Southern Miss, mm -hmm. and I remember watching the games. They were, when they were in the old Metro Conference, they that shit hold of an arena. Reed Green, uh, Memphis beating them every year in Hattiesburg, and um, and uh, um, I, I think the thing is, um, I think the thing the thing is when you think of Southern Miss, I think the similarities with them and Memphis are two are just they have like the same similarities because the University of Memphis has always took backseat to the University of Tennessee, and it always brings people joy when the University of Memphis beats the University of Tennessee in basketball, football, or baseball, because the University of Tennessee has this very arrogant attitude about themselves. The fans have this very uh, deep-seated arrogance, and that's something you see with Ole Miss and Mississippi State fans. I think you see a lot more with Ole Miss fans, more than anything. Uh, but with, with, with the University of Tennessee and University of Memphis, I always like to point out that the University of T Memphis has won 
a conference championship in football more recently, more recently than the University of Tennessee. I always like to point that out every time. Every time Tennessee fans want to talk shit about football, I was like, the University of Tennessee has not won a football championship since 1998. The University of Memphis has won two. Two, one of them outright, one of them share. Yeah, um, and I don't know, maybe it's because we all kind of came together last year when um, State was making their run and then won the College World Series, but I have found more solidarity with Ole Miss fans than I did with State fans, um, especially after the Hattiesburg Regional a couple years ago when there was a really bad call made and it cost Southern their opportunity to go to a super regional um really haven't had too much love for mississippi state since then now will my opinion change after this weekend probably i've already seen some some memes and some stuff that old miss fans have come up with um so i don't know if i'll be liking them too much uh, come saturday but as of right now i'd prefer I prefer Ole Miss over, over State, um, but we, I mean, we beat both of those teams this year. I mean, we split, we played uh, Ole Miss twice, and we won one, and they won one. But I mean, we beat, we beat both State and Ole Miss, and you know, being the the, you know, redheaded stepchild of Mississippi schools. Uh, it's kind of cool to know that we beat, you know, the current College World Series champions and then Ole Miss, who's been so good for the last few years, too. Um, so hopefully we can pull off a win this weekend and, you know, show that for, as of now, we are the best team in baseball in Mississippi. Um. And maybe everyone will shut up about us for a while. Right, right, right. Um, you and I, well, I grew up in Memphis, but but you grew up in Mississippi. Um, and you're younger than I am. Um the first the thing that I want to bring up to talk talk about, and I know we had these conversations last year, um, I, well, right, you know, less than a year after George Floyd happened, um, I always believed that the state of Mississippi got a huge, a bad rap. Like, yes, it does have a lot of history of race. Mississippi has a history of racism. We know this. But the thing is, I feel like being in the South, this is where I've lived at, this is where I'm more than likely gonna die at or whatever. Um, I always felt like the South always got a bad rap. And I always felt like the state of Mississippi, the state of Louisiana, Tennessee always got a bad rap. And I saw this firsthand in terms of how the media covered COVID and how they did it here in the South as opposed to up North. But I also think back to this whole idea of 
the state flag coming down. And I remember as a kid um, growing up watching Ole Miss, whenever Ole Miss would play LSU, Ole Miss would have those damn Confederate flags flying in the stands. They would have them, they would wave them in the stands. And I remember seeing, I remember Colonel Reb and all of those things. That was what I remember as a child. And I never thought in my lifetime that they would ever take down the Confederate flag in the state of Mississippi. Um, as a black man growing up in the South, I knew what the Confederate flag stood for. I knew what those Confederate statues stood for. But I always had this thing, Katie, and I'll let you talk about this, is that if I talk to another black person about the Confederate flag and the Confederate statues, they're going to tell me the same thing. And I tell people, maybe you should talk to a white person and realize and get their reaction to it. And you may be blown away, blown away by what they really think of uh, when they see the Confederate flags and when they can see the Confederate statues. And I really want to get your thoughts on that. Well, like, and I don't know if it's just because I learned how to form my own opinions or if it's because of the generation of people I grew up with, but like, I understood pretty early that those things were symbols of of something that was really horrible um and I mean I have family members I have family friends who were upset um even before we ever came up with the vote to change the flag um when there was just talks about it people didn't like that because you know it's it's heritage but it's not it's not any kind of heritage that we should celebrate and like that wasn't that wasn't the original flag of Mississippi um it was changed for a reason we're the last day to still have it in the flag it's I mean was was the vote put up more for political and economical reasons probably like that's probably what it is schools didn't want to you know come here then CAA wasn't going to let championships happen here um so it was probably more of a political and an economic move than one you know made and one made for the right reasons but I know a lot of kids you know a lot of people my age and in my generation we've we never wanted our state to be represented in that way because we do understand that despite the way that we're portrayed and despite who's in charge, the younger generations here don't stand for any of that and don't believe in any of it. And unfortunately, we just have to wait for, you know, all the old people to die off before our voices can be heard. Um, but that's not, I guess, just not representative of young Mississippi. Is It's representative of probably, you know, the older people, but it's not representative of what we want, of what a lot of us want Mississippi to be. Um, 
And I mean, people are leaving here faster than they have been in a long time because we don't have the representation that we want. Um, we still have representation that doesn't take into account um, how racist and classist their laws and ideas are. And I've mean, I did trips and stuff to the Delta and it's just really horrible that on purpose, this state has done everything they possibly can to keep those people in poverty and to keep them uneducated and to keep them from having food and good shelter. And it's all on purpose. And then they want to point and say negative things um, when all of it's by design. And then, you know, when any kind of major event or anything happens in Mississippi or in the South in general, the media is going to find the most redneck backwoods person to talk to so they can continue to perpetuate the stereotype that we're all racist and ignorant and are stuck you know, in the 1950s, when that's not the full reality of the situation. Um, but it's a lot easier to make fun of the South. Um, and if you don't, if you can't make fun of the South, then who do you have to make fun of? So um, they continue to do that. And like, one of the things I've noticed, and whether this is good or bad, is that in the North, and not even the, just the North in general, but in places like New York and LA and those big cities where they're supposed to be, you know, we accept all types of people, we do whatever. A lot of those people are very, they wanna support the groups like outwardly, but as far as individuals, they don't wanna have anything to do with individuals a part of that group. In the South, you have the animosity towards the group, but the acceptance of individuals within those groups, it's really weird. And that's kind of how it is, is that even if like people are just more, if they're a good person, then they're a good person. Um, and they're accepted no matter what. Like if you get, if someone down here who's stuck in their old ways gets to know somebody, they won't, they don't care about anything else other than if they're a good person or not. And it's really weird. And it's really weird to grow up around that, like watching people, you know, be racist and homophobic. But when it comes to the individual, they would like, if anyone else said anything, they would immediately defend that person. It's so weird. It's just so weird to see, but that's kind of how it is down here. I think the thing is, the thing with, with me, I think, you know, I, I think everyone always say, well, we want to wait for, 
the older generation to die out. Those symbols and those 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 um those uh gates of white supremacy are still going to remain there. But I always think back to what James Meredith said. You know, it's hanging. It's a, he always he compared you know racism to an oak tree, like a, a dying limb on an oak tree. It's going to keep dying out. But I think the thing about it is also the, the the thing that I have a problem with are and you you've heard me say this. It's mainly like the white wokey people who are so fucking woke, but they never they never. They, they claim to be allies, but then when you try to tell them something that's different and saying, okay, this is why these people feel the way that they feel, they don't want to listen. And you remember, you remember I told you like that video, that time I went to that damn made it that event. You remember the video I sent you last year? Yes. That's exactly what I was talking about. I remember being like, you guys like here, here's what happened they had pulled over this guy um this guy on um on um washington avenue which is near my house so i'm looking over at the fence i'm looking over at washington avenue because we're in a park and all i start seeing are all these people all these white folks running down it's a black woman with a um with a mega with a megaphone with a, a bullhorn. So they go down to this fence that separates Washington Avenue from the park, and they turn it into a she starts telling, she goes into a speech, she goes into a speech, she goes into all these things, and I'm like, what? Like, that's when I started saying, what? Like, exactly what the entire fuck? And it's like, they're just, like, a lot of people who claim to be liberal and claim to be woke, they are the most insufferable people in the world. They're, like, the most insufferable people in the world. Um, I'll give you an example, and then we'll, uh, and then I'll shut up. Okay, I did vote for Joe Biden, okay? I did. My reasoning was... When you have a dumbass like the former guy in office, and I always view presidents as a figurehead. I just view them as figureheads because they just figureheads. But yeah. if you don't, when you don't respect the office, you don't respect the office, and you don't respect people, I don't have any respect for you. I may not agree with you for, on everything, but I will respect you if you have respect for the office. If you don't have respect for the office, I'm not fucking with you. And that's why I didn't have, I didn't have no respect for the former guy. I remember saying this about Bernie Sanders. I say, Bernie Sanders has a black people problem. And I'm like, he feels like, oh, I marched with Dr. King. Well, you know who else fucking marched with Dr. King? Mitch McConnell marched with Dr. King, okay? So, Miss me, don't tell me that shit to make me to make yourself feel good. Tell me what you have done. You, if you say you march like you're an alley, or whatever, don't tell me that. I need someone to vouch for you and vet for you. And I'll tell you another example, and then I'll shut up eventually. I'm not good at shutting up, Katie. 
Um, there was this lady named Megan Romer who um, she was from Lafayette in Lafayette, Louisiana. So we had dinner. And a long years later, uh, I moved to New Orleans. And she tells me that her son is scared of me. She tells me that her son is scared of me. Now, you're a white woman telling a black man that your son is scared of you, of, of, of a black man. But you're all Black Lives Matter. You're Black Lives Matter. No, you like the Black lives that agree with your line of thinking. I'm not your type of Black person. And you see that a lot with a lot of the white, with a lot of these well-meaning white, these phony-ass white liberals. Because they will love you as long as you align, as long as you align with their line of thinking. When you deviate from that, then it's a problem. I call it, they have their approved Negroes. And when you are not the approved Negro, you're the enemy. Um, like one thing that I find about super woke people is that a lot of them have either have never like experienced anything outside of their like comfortable little world um and when you grow up in a really poor state you kind of like I've experienced things that I know a lot of other people haven't and I've seen things that a lot of other people haven't. I mean, like when I was in the Delta, it's like not even it, you should be ashamed that that's in America that we're letting people who live in what's supposed to be this great country live like that, like where there's a food pantry, but most of the food in there is like old and molded and all of the cans are you know dented and that's it that's what those people have to eat like that's it and a lot of you know woke people have never experienced anything like that and one thing that I kind of the one thing that um even if you're white that like doesn't that put isn't against you is like class doesn't really care um like once you're you're poor and you're beneath certain white people they don't care if you're white or not you're poor um and that's kind of like what it is in Mississippi is like you're just at some point people are just poor people and then they don't matter. Um, and so a lot of your really woke people are from comfortable families, um, are from bigger cities and stuff like that. So they've never seen poverty. They've never seen really anything too terrible. Um, but like I have, I mean, I've I lived through one of the worst natural disasters in history. And I saw the aftermath of that. Um, 
and I also saw how Mississippi like was kind of forgotten and all of that um and I mean we're still there are still things that are there's still damage from then that you can see here um I, I see that here in New Orleans, like in the lower ninth, in the lower ninth ward, you st- you see that, uh, you see, you know, parts like vacant lots and stuff. And I I don't think it's more so, uh, 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 what I see is I think if you grow up in Mississippi, I think you have an understanding. Even if you live in the bigger cities, I think the problem comes from people up north that come down and feel like. These are nothing more than a bunch of dumb rednecks and poor black people. And I think that's where the, the problem I think I have with people like the Bernie Sanders of the world. They they don't think that people who are, they don't think that black people can think for themselves or they also don't think that poor people can think for themselves. And they chalk everything up to economic anxiety or low information. I'm like, dude, some white people are just utterly fucking racist. Yeah. Okay. And you shouldn't tell a black person how to think or how to feel. And a lot of times, and I think I told you this, a lot of the emails that I got about articles about Bernie Sanders or racism, they weren't from conservative people that you would think they were coming from. They were coming from woke people the whites um, I remember during the pro- during the protest summer Katie when I say I was so annoyed began to get really annoyed with the protest it wasn't because I didn't want it justice what I was getting so annoyed with was how certain white folks trying to co-opt shit. They were co-opting or they were they had a chant of fuck Drew Brees. They stood on St. Charles and said fuck Drew Brees because Drew Brees said something about he didn't agree. It was I remember that. Something I remember. about or whatever, the same bullshit. It's like they had went in front of the mayor's house and they protested in front of the mayor's house. And I remember being, and I think I sent you the photo, I said, Katie, the shit looked like a clan meeting. They were in a circle, in a circle, blocking off um louisiana avenue parkway and i literally said i said to somebody i said this shit looks like a this shit looks like a clan meeting and i said this is the last protest i'm covering this is the last protest i'm covering i'm gonna wait around till baseball season starts i know it's not gonna be the same as normal the same you know like the baseball season i'm used to but any sports i will watch i will watch fucking soccer instead of dealing with this because some of these woke white woke people are stuck on stupid and they don't want to listen to people that look like me 
they feel like they know what's best for me. I'm like, you know what that sounds like? That sounds like slavery. That's what it sounds like. You know how they had during the slavery, during slavery, where the the master would tell the slave, "Your name is this." No, my name is Ryan. It's not that name. It's Ryan. Sorry for going on a tangent. You're fine. I mean, I I mean I know people who used that time as a way to like make themselves look better on social media. Like none of it was out of anything real. They were never going to do anything of any actual importance to help. They just wanted to make sure everyone knew, oh, look, I support this cause. Like, I'm never going to actually do anything that'll really make a difference. Um, but I'm going to pretend like I'm, I'm doing something when you're really not. Um, like, you're, you're posting on social media or you're attempt at going out to a protest or whatever for social media purposes basically like none of it was genuine and there's any time that I'm sure there would ever be an opportunity to do any kind of genuine work or change those are the kind of people that aren't gonna do it um like you 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 can tell who is actually about like putting in work to make changes and to help people and who are just in it so they can say, look what I did. Um, fortunately, I grew up in an area of the former where people just wanted to help people because they wanted to and not to say, hey, look what I did. Um, and that is one thing, especially down here on the coast, like. The coast is a completely different place than North Mississippi. Like they are. I believe it. I believe they're it. Like not, they're not the same at all. It's the I I joke, you know, that the further north you go in Mississippi, like the thicker the southern accent gets. Like they're just a. It's a different world up there, like one that I'm like, I don't even under, I don't recognize this. Um, but like down here on the coast, we're just one big, like supportive community. Um, like outside of political stuff, people just help people down here. Um, and that's who we are. I think, I think, I think I learned that the last time I went on a vacation with my mom, um i had gone to we went to we went to biloxi mississippi and i remember there's two things i remember i remember how clean how sparkling the gulf looked the gulf of mexico the gulf of mexico looked and i also remember just how friendly um the people were at the holiday inn express we stayed at the holiday inn express on beach boulevard and um we went to uh, Edgewater Mall, which was, uh, I think Edgewater Mall is right. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, it's right on Beach Boulevard. I think it's also yeah. on Beach Boulevard as well. Um, and and 
And and what I remember, you know, I remember, you know, talking with, you know, my grandmother was just, she was just so amazed. They, she was just amazed at just how friendly everybody was, uh, how everybody, how, uh, just how friendly everybody was. And, and, and me personally seeing that, I'm like, man, this is, this is amazing. You know, this is definitely amazing and, and, and everything. Um, and I know up north in South Haven and, and where I grew up, grew up in Memphis, it's nothing like that. It's nothing like that. Like up north, it's really different. It's really different. Like, you know, Oxford, like North Mississippi, like Oxford, Oxford, I've been there. I like, I love Oxford, but I, I wouldn't, I, I, I say this, Oxford is nothing more than Stepford Wives. It's Stepford Wives, it's sorority girls, it's, it's old money. Yeah. And, and I think when you look at Starkville, it's just Starkville. I couldn't even find, I, I told someone, I've been to Mississippi State one time and I had to literally Google where the fuck's where the fuck Starkville was. I couldn't even find Starkville on the map. I can find I just Oxford. Looked on. That it's a giant cow field with a college in the middle of it. Yeah, that's what it, what it is. That's literally all it is. They they do have some, they do have some, they do have a really good dairy thing. Like they have a really good dairy. Like they really they sell some called they sell yeah, cheese and stuff, yeah. Yeah, the cheese balls and stuff. Uh one last thing before I let you go, because we've talked about a lot of things. Do you feel that the Cardinals are going to end up wasting Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt? I mean, if you consider wasting, like, never getting them a World Series ring, maybe. But I think that if they play well and they enjoy the time on their team, on the team then it's not a waste like i mean have we been the caliber that people know the cardinals for no but i mean look at what arnado and goldschmidt have to compare to i mean the rockies and the diamondbacks like the atmosphere is just completely different and so, I mean, are we going to get them a ring? Are we going to, you know, make them champions? I don't know. But, like, I think that in terms of their career, if they, like, wherever, if they go anywhere else, they're never going to have the experience that they'll have as being a Cardinal. Like, it's just on a different level than the only other like level of that would be if you played for the Yankees like that's it that's pretty much I mean you could put in a couple of other teams in there but you it doesn't it's not it's not really comparable so if they don't feel like their time and their talent was wasted then we don't really have you know, we don't really get to say that we wasted them if they don't feel that way. You know, I think, uh, you know, I think wasting a talent 
is like you never get a chance to go to the World Series. Like Mike Trout is being wasted. Oh in, yeah, in, 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 that's... In Mike Mike Trout is being wasted, and you're gonna see the same thing with Show. Yeah, and I well, think also that's wasted. That, on like that, that's be, that's waste. That's a wasted talent. You know, this is the first, the sec, only the second year you have played with Arnado and Goldschmidt. I don't think, you know, for example, you could say the Cardinals wasted Mark McGuire, but Mark McGuire, the last two years of his career got to the playoffs. So we didn't know they didn't get to uh, a World Series with Mark McGuire, but the the the, uh, the the start the reinvesting in the farm system, you know, getting guys like Matt Morris, Rick Ankiel, uh J.D. Drew, getting those guys up uh, up to St. Louis and them contributing is what started the golden era of of Cardinal baseball. And we are still in the golden era. Like in twenty two, in the last twenty two years, we've only had one losing season. Okay, how many franchises can say that? And I think the the thing is, I would say the Yankees are more close or closer to wasting Aaron, yeah, and Judge, and Giancarlo Stanton. They're closer to that than the Cardinals are to wasting Arenado and and Goldschmidt. Definitely, and like. Trout and show wasting away in Anaheim. It's just because not only is their talent being wasted, but you don't have the market there. You really don't, unless you're at the Dodgers. But other than that, like you don't. So they're like, you're not, people aren't even watching their talent. So it's like extra wasted. And it's because everyone everyone who even cares even a tiny bit of sports or everyone who watches cable tv and sees commercials should know who both of them are because mm-hmm. of their talent and especially shows antics he's funny he's fun to watch like in the dugout people should know who they are and they don't like they should be household names they should be all over commercials all the time but because of the market that they're in and everything and the fact that they play for the Angels, they're just extra, it's extra sad to see such talent just get lost in the middle of other mediocre talent that just has a big enough market for people to know who they are. Oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. But Katie, thank you so much for dropping by the podcast. Folks, the podcast will be up tomorrow morning. As always, thank you for your time this time. And until next time, we will see.